Go to Malachi chapter 4. Then when you get to the last page of Malachi, turn your page. For those of you who have a literal Bible in your hand, what do you see there? What do you see there? Nothing. You see nothing. You see silence. Just like that video was. Silence. And what we know from Malachi to the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, there were 400 years when God did not speak to his people. 400 years of silence. Let me tell you today, he's not silent. Let me say that again, because only one of you got that. Let me say that today, that God is not silent. Can I get a witness out there? He has something to say to you. And for us, we're still doing the same old crap we've always done. Defile a holy God. Sin against a holy God. And you think God will speak to you in your sin. God is silent because of your sin. Yes, you came to that kind of church today. You came to that kind of church that our prayer that your heart would be cut this morning. We wouldn't go through the motions of church, but you would realize that you have breath that is limited, and you need to know that when your breath takes its final course, where would you spend eternity? Would you spend eternity on what you did? Because if that's the case, if you spend in eternity on what you did, the Bible is clear, you'll be separated from a holy God. Or, there's an, there has to be another option, if that's the case, will you spend eternity where God is? Because it's based on what he did and not what you do. Constantly, even this week, I'm in conversations where people say, man, this guy, for him to get his act together, all he has to do Fill in the blank. That's bad theology. To say that you have to do something in order to be in right relationship with God says that God is not good enough to save you completely from your sins alone, but you have to do something. That's not a gospel we preach. A message we preach is that you're the problem. I'm the problem. We're the reason why we're in the crap we're in today. Therefore, we need something supernatural to do what only he can do. Jesus. Easter, not Pauhana Hawaiians. Easter continues on today. The joy of Easter is that we get to share the glorious gospel that Jesus is alive and he has finished the work on the cross that you could not finish. Therefore, rest in his work, not yours. If we keep on basing our relationship with God and with what we do, we will always fail. He's like, man, Kawi, you preach this every Sunday. I'm going to preach it to the day I die. Because too much preachers tickling your ears on how good you are and how all that you are. You're not all that. Trust me. You are. There's always someone better and greater than you. And I just feel in the spirit. I have to tell you that today before we get in our text. Is your heart cut already? That's good. Now you can hear what God has to say today. For the last few weeks, we've been going through a study called The Life of a Jesus Follower in our Ohana groups. 
If you're not in a Hoana group, I would encourage you to get in one today. But it's a black book. It's free. But we're going for 42 days and looking at what it means to follow Jesus. And on page four in week one, we see some specific content that is rich and pure. And it says this on page four. A person comes to know God personally. The moment he or she, by faith, surrenders to him and receives Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their life. Salvation is not only the beginning. Deep in the soul of a Jesus follower is a hunger to know God more. What does that mean? One who genuinely knows Jesus wants to spend time with Jesus. Today it's through his word. Today it's through prayer. Today it's together in looking at the word of God and looking at what it says about it. And what we want to look at, we don't want to be a church that unclarifies the message of the gospel. We want to be clear that though you are sinful, there is hope. And hope is found in Jesus. What he did on the cross, not what you did on the cross. So we begin this series through our verse-by-verse study through the gospel of Mark. And the gospel of Mark is about this. We're calling this series Finding Purpose. And the whole goal of Finding Purpose is this, that the goal of this series is to find purpose in the teachings of Jesus. How do we in this church move forward with Jesus? How do, how do we relate to him? How do we relate to his family? How do we relate to others? I mean, the question is easy. Show up. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, neighbor. Show, up. show up. No, be that kind of Christian. Okay, try it again. No, be that kind of Christian. I mean, show up. No, say you unfollow. No, you don't have to say this part. Don't say you follow Christ, but you don't show up. Right? Don't be a follower of Christ, and you're not showing up when you wake up. Your first action step is to pray and look at Jesus' face through the scriptures. Right? On Sundays and every time during the week, we're meeting with fellow believers, even if it's at the football field, even if it's at work. Your environment is where you take Jesus with you. Say it again. Show up. Show up. So here's three things I want you guys to be ready for. Number one, we've been saying this through the whole series. Number one, be ready in prayer. Number two, be ready in note taking. All right. I don't know if you know this, but I realize this. Many of our men in our church are illiterate meaning that they can't read or barely write. And so for me, I was illiterate graduating out of high school, and the way I became illiterate was I got saved and I started reading the scriptures. And you know the scriptures, if you're reading the King James Version only, 1611, that will broaden your vocabulary. Can I get a witness out there, right? That would challenge you, Hawaiian, right? Thou, though, this, because Jesus spoke in those terms, right? Yeah? I mean, like, it, it would challenge you, right? Uh, and so I want to encourage you to not just listen to me today, but also take notes. Use your smartphone. Use your stupid phone. Whatever the case is, use something to write down so you can articulate. Did you know the Hawaiian people were the most literal people in the world? And the reason why there were the more literate people in the world is that before writing and reading came to them, they olied, they chanted, they memorized stories down from the past. Therefore, the scriptures uh, wasn't written when the first missionaries came in Hawaiian, so they memorized everything the, Hawaiians, uh, the, the missionaries shared with them at glance. Today, it's the opposite. 
All of Polynesia struggles with literacy. So here's some action steps. Pray, take notes, and lastly, what goes in you must come out of you. Can I get a witness there, right? In general, what goes in you. Does that make sense, right? Right? What goes in you comes out of you. So we pray that as you receive mana'o and ike today, you're not just receiving and doing nothing with it, but you share what you learn today. So would you turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark? We've been diving into this gospel for the last several months. In the summer, we kicked it off, and we're going verse by verse for the next few years through the gospel of Mark. You may say, why do we just do book studies and rarely do topical studies? We believe because of the challenge of literacy and illiteracy that this is one of the ways we honor God with literacy, that we go through verses by the book, a book in the Bible, verse by verse, because there are a couple of things that happens is you understand context. Right? You can't just take, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That, 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 you can't just take that verse for itself. you got to go read on, read before, right? And that's the same way here. You can't, another day, we tell our football boys, you cannot come to practice one time out of the week and expect to have abs, Hawaiian. I would say the same thing. You cannot come to church one time out of the week and expect to be a theologian, a scholar, if all you do every day is five minutes with God, that's what your theology will look like. God doesn't deserve part of you. God deserves all of you. And we do that through the preaching proclamation of the word. Would you stand with me in the reading of the God's word? God's word says this in the parable of the kingdom. Verse 30, it starts off this way. And Jesus said... With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than the garden plants and puts on larger branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade." With many such parables, he spoke the word of them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. God, please clearly explain to us by your spirit what it means to follow you. We repent of our sins. We trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's Ohana says, amen. Nohoi lala. You may be seated. Many of you are local. Many of you grew up in here, but one of the biggest challenges of going to the mainland was an unclear English accent. Can I get a witness, Hawaiians out there, right? I mean, when I went to the mainland, my pigeon was thick, right? And with us, we don't use THs, right, in this culture. Like, if we say, uh, if we say there, we're going to take out the H, and we're going to say what? There! Yeah. And no matter if you use I-E or E-R-E, it's the same thing as the Hawaiians. Come on, can I, I know you lying because you text me like that all the time. <laughs> right? Or when we say that, we take the H out, we say what? That, right? Can you imagine this Hawaiian going to the mainland, talking to rednecks from Alabama, right? And like they have their own broken English and pidgin of their own that don't make sense. Like what is y'all? 
Right? Y'all, I mean, that's too, like, that's too easy for us Hawaiians. Right? Uh, what, what is UNs? You guys never heard that one before, right? Yeah. What is, like, fixing? Right? Well, I, well I'm fixing to go get some grub over there. You know, like, what is, like, could you imagine this Kanaka and this redneck trying to conversate with one another? Wait, and God has a sense of humor. He doesn't stop there. He allows me to marry one from Tennessee. know me. I hated Howleys growing up, you know what I'm saying? But for some reason, it was the Howleys that blessed Zeke all the time, you know? They loved me. I don't know if they thought I was a poor Mexican kid up there, but the reality was they invested Ola, Ola, that means Keola in Hawaiian. What is Ola? That's life. What, Ola, hi. What does that mean? Right, right? And so, what am I getting to? Jesus is describing the kingdom in a specific way. And for us today, we're describing this experience in a certain way, right? There is perspective on both sides of the spectrum. And what happened, without clear understanding, we don't understand. For instance, we moved back 12 years later to the islands. Kahu Marcus moves back with me. I met him as a senior. He was a senior in high school when I met him. All right, I invested in him. We created a relationship. I even uh, married him and his wife together. And it was a joyous occasion. They felt called to come with us to Hawaii and start this church. And then we had no church at the time. Uh, all we had was semi-pro football. That will bless your heart. And so we tried out, we, not tried out, I mean, there's no trial for semi-pro football, you know. Not, 100 people ain't trying out for semi-pro football over here, okay. So we go, and we play positions we never played in high school because we're overweight, you know, a little bit more aloha these days. And we get there, and then Marcus meets one of our Hawaiian coaches. And it was like watching the movie Waterboy. You Hawaiians remember had the Cajun uncle on the like, right? So we had one of our coaches, right? I don't say names, but he coached me when I was in Pop Warner to high school, and now he, he and I coach alongside of each other at Hilo High today. But him and I introduced him and Marcus together. And then uncle goes and he goes, hey boy, what's your name? Blah, 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 name. Could you imagine what Marcus just did right there? <laughs> So instead of us Hawaiians, even if we don't understand, right, we go say, oh, yeah. <laughs> Hawaiian, even if it's not clear, oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys laugh because you know that's you today, right? And so Marcus is Howley culture. So if it's not clear, he will say it's not clear, right? So I'm going to say, hey, boy, what's your name? And then after, uh, Marcus is like, huh? <laughs> So I'm over there by uncle. I'm being the translator for him. He's asking what your name is. <laughs> oh, I'm Marcus McBee. I'm from Tennessee. Yeah, then uncle's over here and say, oh, what do you hear? Over here. Uncle is asking what brought you here. Hawaii, this is not even on my notes today. <laughs> but this is, this is what happens. I know we're laughing. This is what happens in church today. We think we know what church is about. But there's an unclear understanding of what's happening in this text. 
What does it mean to understand the kingdom of God? As we laugh and we enjoy God's message today, I want you to be reminded of a statement we said three, two weeks ago of my mentor, Pastor Vance Payne, what he said what the kingdom of God is. He said, the kingdom of God is God's sovereign activity in the world resulting in people being rightly related to himself. I want you to hear me out. I believe God is completely sovereign. And sometimes I don't know how that works. Sovereign meaning he's in complete control. Our Hawaiian kingdom is still looking for sovereignty. But God already owns sovereignty. He is in complete control. And I want you to read this out loud with me, loud and proud. One, two, three. The kingdom of God is God's sovereign activity in the world, resulting in people being rightly related to himself. What God is doing, God is drawing sinners back to himself. And the way he's drawing sinners, giving clarity here, right, is through parables. He's teaching his followers what it means for story of illustrations. And he uses the kingdom of God and he displays the kingdom of God in a certain way. And so here's three things that would be Pauhana. Number one, Ikahi. God's kingdom begins with the gospel. Can I get a witness there? The gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news. Why is it good news? Because there's bad news. I already shared that. I, I can exhaust that every week. You know that, right? That man is sinful and they need the good news. They need Jesus to redeem them and rescue them, to save them from their Pilikia, to save them from their Apollo. And Jesus platforms the kingdom of God as it begins with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verses 31 and, uh, 30 and 31. It says that Jesus said, what, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? And he, he answers it right here. He says, it is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground, it's the smallest of all the seeds on earth. I want you to see that in verse 26, 29, a couple weeks ago, Jesus gave importance of the seed that represents the word of God. This time, Jesus describes the seed as a mustard seed. I want you to see on the screen what a mustard seed looks like. You see that small little dot on the finger? That is the smallest seed in the world. That is specifically a black Mediterranean seed. And so what we see here is that God is describing this seed from the point view of the gospel. The gospel begins as a seed. The seed is the word of God. And then he describes it to be one of the, one of the tiniest seed of all. And really, this is two visual details we see of the seed. Number one, it's not very large. It's tiny. Number two, it's not very impressive culturally. Now, the way I say culturally is because the, our mentality, you know us, we get more cocky minds over here. Eh? Our minds, we think bigger is what? Better, right? We think that. That's the way the world thinks. In fact, when they saw Jesus, they didn't think Jesus was a king because Jesus was born in a barn, in a stable. Kings should be born in palaces. But Jesus was the opposite thinking of the world. I mean, growing up in the islands, listen to me. Hawaiian, the only thing you put on mustard over here is sandwiches, 
Can I get a witness, right? And some of us don't even do that, right? But you go to the mainland. And let me, say, let me tell you something. You know us Hawaiians, we like mayonnaise, right? Mayonnaise on everything. Anything tomato sauce, Hawaiian mayonnaise is going on there. Can I get a witness over there? All right, okay. Spaghetti, mayonnaise. Beef stew, mayonnaise. <laughs> Not me, no way. But bro, growing up, if you grew up in like one traditional Hawaiian family, we like fat, all right? More better when you get fat. We put them on, hey, Hawaiians, lao lao, mayonnaise. Like we do, no judge me, all right? <laughs> but these mainlanders use mustard for macaroni salad. <laughs> so I'm in Tennessee, and I bought the bad, this mac salad, potato salad, look on right here. I'm about to whack this right here with my Subway sandwich. I go whack them, and one bugger went whack me back. You know what I'm saying? Like, who put mustard in mayonnaise? That's ungodly, Hawaiian. That must come from the fall of Adam back in the garden, right? This is ungodly. So, so we look down on mustard, right, in our culture. But then another thing, and uh, Tennessee, they have this thing called a pork biscuit. Yes, bless her, no stress her. Here you go. And you have not had a pork biscuit like at a gas station in Nashville, Tennessee. I get there, and all these howlers over there early in the morning getting pork biscuits. Like, what the heck? Pork biscuit, bro. I can make that myself, right? But there's something about the mustard. In the South, specifically, where they use it like how we use mayonnaise in Hawaii. And they put mustard on the pork biscuit. And I'm like, hell no. <laughs> oh, some of you Christian years, I'm sorry for saying hell, all right? It's in the Bible. All right. You guys got it. All right, all right, there you go. Listen to me. Listen to me. You always got to try something once. Can I get a witness over there? And the brother went by him for me, so Hawaiian culture. I'm not going to say no, bro. Here you go. Load them up with mustard, and I take a bite in it. I promise you, you guys got to try it. It changed my life. It changed my life. It's like I met Jesus for the first time again. I promise you, when we look at some of you, you, you are experiencing what this text is saying already. We look down on mustard. How can a small little thing like that do any good? How can God's kingdom be so relative to the mustard seed? Right? How can it, um, I mean, we got to see that. How does this relate to the gospel? I believe we treat the gospel like the mustard seed. When it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, for many people here, we think that the gospel is too tiny and too unimpressive to save sinners. Oh yeah, that crack addict cannot know Jesus. Right? Because the gospel that most people believe in is not good enough to rescue that sinner. Right? And he goes on, as a church planner, 
This is the dangers of planting churches. We give a lot of effort in trying to attract people to Jesus, right? When on all reality, when we try to impress people with attractions, the opposite effect happens. They get what they need and they leave. Let me be honest with you. 2014, we did so much attractional events. You guys want to hear the first thing we did? We handed out over 20,000 door hangers in downtown Hilo. First off, I was heavier at that time. And downtown Hilo has this hill called Hiley Hill. And just to prove by example that Kahu will lead the force, right? I'm going to walk this hill all to Hawaii Hill, right up there. And let me tell you, after a few weeks of delivering 20,000 flyers with missionaries who came, like students who paid $1,000 one uh, round trip to come here and help us with, we, didn't, we only saw one person come to church. Are you with me? Let's talk about something else. We started hosting block parties in the community. We would spend thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Mo, everybody remember Mohoyal Bandstand? Heleon Bus Stop? We did stop there. We did at the judges' stand, at the patio, at the uh, patio, at the patio, at the paddling area, at Bayfront. You know how much people came to, to our church and got connected? Zero. What am I saying? We're trying to invest all our strategies in attractional things when really, listen to me, the message of the gospel is enough. It cuts, as Acts 2 says. And so this is what Luke says about it. Luke says that Jesus said to them, I must what? Say it again. I must? I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. What the Bible is not saying is also clear. He didn't come to hand out door hangers. He didn't come to do block parties. Now, are those bad? Oh, no. But he's clear that the ultimate role of life change is not found in gimmicks and attractional means. It's the preaching of the good news of the kingdom of God. Not only that, it doesn't just stay in Hilo, but it goes to the other towns as well. So a biblical truth is this. Those who are gospel-focused will produce gospel followers. Let me say that again. Those who are gospel-focused will produce gospel followers. We've had over thousands of people come into our church and leave our church. And I believe it's because in the beginning years, we got it wrong. We tried our best to have a balance of the preaching of the word. At the same time, have gimmicks and events that will attract the community. Do you know less than 5,000 people in the city of Hilo attends an evangelical church every Sunday? Less than 5,000 people. Hilo proper is almost 60,000 people today. When we moved here from Palolo Valley in the 80s, there were less than 30,000 people in Hilo proper. Today, it's doubled. Why? Because it's cheaper out of all the islands to be at. You can go down to Puna. You want a cheap house. Right? You can go to wherever. And what we understand is that God has given us a strategy to love people. How? The gospel. So the kingdom of God begins with the gospel, but number two, the kingdom of God grows through the gospel. Verse 32 says, yet when it is sown, 
It grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shape. I was flawed. Went to seminary. I had Bible studies of the gospel about the mustard seed. You heard multiple sermons. I was flawed and amazed by what a mustard tree looks like. It's not what you think it looks like. Look on the screen. I want to show you what a mustard tree looks like. It's not really a tree. It's a thicket of bush. It can grow up to 15 to 20 feet tall, but it grows outwardly and not upward. All the yellow you see there are mustard trees. And what we know about mustard trees is that it causes issues in irrigation areas, in farming areas, because it keeps on spreading. Anybody remember the plant kudzu? Yep. Right? God bless kudzu. Can I get a witness there? No. Yeah, exactly. Kudzu would go and go and go, but it gives no fruit out of kudzu. You'll see it all over the plantation homes here in Hawaii, and we've got it wrong. But this thing right here, this mustard seed trees does something that is compared to the kingdom of God. And I want you to hear this. <coughs> Though it grows small in height, it is spread abroad in width. What does that mean? The gospel may not be the most popular message here in Hilo, but I promise you it will have its effect. It will do its job, right? Daniel Aiken says it this way, God's kingdom program will experience amazing result. What begins as the smallest becomes the greatest. Unlike his first coming, when Christ returns, all the world will see as he surpasses all the earth's kingdom in power, in glory, and in majesty. What does this mean? What God begins, it will flourish. It will blossom. Let me give you two things to encourage you with. As you live out the gospel, number one, your gospel labor is not in vain. Don't give up. Don't be give up because the people that you're reaching with the gospel is still being hot-headed and not listening to you. They come, they go, they come, they go. And I'm talking about something just in your life. They use you, right? Don't give up. Your gospel labor is not in vain. And here's the two tensions for those of you who call yourself Christians and those who belong to Ohana Church. There's two things I've shared with you in the past that happens when we aren't gospel-focused. Number one, you stop serving in the local church. It's the reality. I know this. When you are having a hard time and the gospel is not the, central, the centralness of your life, you stop serving in the local church. Number two, you start isolating yourself from the local church. Why? Because your relationship with God is not based on the gospel. Your relationship with God is based on what you can get from people. I want you to hear me clearly. Because whether you disagree with me or not, that's the reality of the five years at Ohana Church. Those who have not experienced the gospel tend to stop serving. Those who have not experienced the gospel tend to draw away from the church. And therefore, we use excuses. Well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Ah, let me correct you. Church is not a place you attend. Church is the people you belong to. 
It's saying that my sons are Tomaselli boys, but they never hang out with his, their daddy or mommy. I want you to hear me out. The church was rescued by Christ not to be segregated, but to be together. Let me tell you something you should be encouraged about too. In the South, you have your white churches, you have your black churches. You even have one church with one Hawaiian Kanaka. That's the 1% Hawaiian Kanaka in there that think I'm Mexican, right? And my goal is that we look like the nations of the earth. And this is what happens when we're not gospel focused. Marcus knows this. We started to have black people coming into the church. We started to have Asian people coming into the church. Hispanic people coming into the church. But a church who was 150 years old, been white all their years, started getting offended. Why? Because the gospel wasn't central. So you try to change 200 members' view of the gospel from 150 years of messages. Listen to me. I want you to look around. Thank God this congregation looks like heaven. Thank God that we have Hawaiian, Filipino, African-American, Chinese, any kind of knees in here, right? We have been blessed with peoples from the earth. Did you know that there's 11 native languages spoken in our congregation? Did you know that? Why? Because that's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not just for whites, blacks, browns, yellow skin, or whatever kind of skin you got. The kingdom of God is for all people. So number one, don't give up. Your labor is not in vain. Just like the mustard seed grows, so does the gospel. Number two, your gospel labor will influence the nations. One of the things I'm encouraged about, you may not know this, the biggest revival in the history, all right, in the history of the Polynesia happened right here in this city, highly. But did you know that the Hawaiians didn't keep the gospel here? Did you know there was a group of Hawaiians that jumped on a ship called the Morning Star and went down to Micronesia and shared the gospel with the Micronesians? And you may think, why is the Micronesians here? Because they have commonality. So, well, we we owe them money as a government and all this stuff because what we did down there, it's more than that. The Hawaiians brought the gospel to the Micronesians. What am I saying? The seed that is planted will ultimately sprout and go to the nations of the earth. That's the gospel. So the gospel, the kingdom of God grows in the gospel. Here's the danger of of church growth today. Don't let church growth influence you in general. Don't let the other churches that are exploding in number in the city of Hilo influence your understanding of growth. Growth is not about number. Growth is about the proclamation of the gospel. I could care less if we have a thousand people in the next couple years. But if those thousand people doesn't understand the gospel and proclaim the gospel, then we are not like we are just like any other church we're focused on sociality we're focused on government means and all that politics and all that instead of focusing on the message that can change the world the gospel of Jesus Christ so here's a biblical truth for us healthy growth is a slow process I know that from experience last three weeks I've been going every day to work out 
okay? And if you say, oh yeah, you look like you're losing weight. No, Hawaiian, no shirt. This is black shirt. You make everybody look skinny. <laughs> and you know what? It's hard. Especially we came back from an elder's retreat this past weekend. And Connie making his prison nachos or whatever in there. <laughs> like, please don't eat that. I'm just letting you guys know that. <laughs> and everybody said, oh, it's good, Connie. It's not good. <laughs> right? Like, but like, I, I like eating. Like, that's no different from some of you who have other addictions. But you know what changes me to work out more? The gospel. If I expected to lose weight without working out, I'm a fool. I'm a fool. Something has to change. Can you tell your neighbor, hey, something got to change. Put that deep throat in. Something got to change. Right? It has to, right? If we, keep, if we keep eating the way we've been eating, let's talk spiritually. If we keep feasting on God's word and do nothing with it, we become spiritually obese. But we pray that the gospel that goes in us is the gospel that goes through us so that people will know. And so healthy growth is a slow process. Number three, and we'll be pawing them. I'm going to ask the band to come up now. God's kingdom endures because of the gospel. I want you to look at the remaining verses in verse 33 through 34. It says, with many such parables, Jesus spoke the word to them. As they were able to what? Hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. The big word that's in here is the word hear. In chapter 10, it says 10 times the word hear. There is importance to hearing today. Because when it comes to following Christ, you cannot know him apart from what? Hearing. The text says they heard it, the parables. The text said that Jesus also explained it in a simple way so that they could understand it. Romans 10 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of truth. Are you hearing today? Are you hearing today? And this is the joy of today, the discipleship, how we follow Jesus. Number one, faithful teaching of the gospel. And number two, faithful preaching of the gospel. If all you do is come to church on Sunday and that's the extent of your relationship with God, you're missing out on a fulfilled relationship with the Lord. You need gospel teaching. You need gospel preaching. This is an extension of God's glory in our life. Mark Edwards says it this way, only in close communion and connection to Jesus can one understand the language of God. What does this mean? You can't expect to hear from God if you're not near God. Even for us, yeah, us local people, we hear somebody talk bad about us from a second or third party, we automatically assume the worst, right? But there's no clarity in that. We need clarity in the gospel. We need to be near God. Application truth. May this hurt you today and encourage you at the same time. Draw close to Jesus 
and experience true intimate fellowship with him. Listen to this. Draw away from Jesus and experience broken fellowship with him. I want you to hear this. Your greatest journey in life is never to do stuff for God. He can always do it without you. Your greatest journey in life is to be near Jesus. And I will say this again with all passion that I have. Draw close to Jesus and experience true intimate fellowship with him. Draw away from Jesus and experience broken fellowship with him. What will you choose today? Will you draw to Jesus or will you draw away from Jesus? You pick it. Final thoughts. The kingdom of God, though it begins small, it will grow bigger than you could ever imagine. And the exciting news is that the biggest and best of its growth is still yet to come. Revelation 7 says it this way. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all the tribes and peoples and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out loud with a loud voice, salvation, help me out, belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Jesus is here. Draw near. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as our elders come up? Would you respond in prayer? Would you respond to coming to the altar and kneeling and praying by yourself? Would you respond, respond in song today? Those are the three clear ways understanding that the kingdom begins with the gospel. It grows in the gospel and it endures to the end through the gospel. God, you pricked our hearts. It belongs to you. We love you and respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's Ohana says.